Real Trees, Real Talk, why Nova Scotia loves real Christmas trees, from the Christmas Tree Council of Nova Scotia. It's Jillian Blackburn here, and I've been your host for this series, where we've been interviewing Christmas tree producers throughout Nova Scotia and diving into the industry itself. So far on the podcast, we've been talking about the donated trees around Nova Scotia. We've gotten some tips on how to keep your tree in tip-top shape until Christmas Day. We've dug into the norms and culture in the Christmas tree industry, and we've heard some funny stories right from the tree producers themselves. Sadly, this is our last episode before the holidays, but today we'll be hearing from Richard Levy, the president of the Christmas Tree Council of Nova Scotia. Right before we begin, we're going to advertise the Balsam Fur Forum. The Balsam Fur Forum is a membership-based website that includes educational content from over 15 professionals across Canada and the United States. It was developed to help Christmas tree growers learn important skills that will make their businesses grow and be more successful. With your subscription, you can access all the educational content and resources at your convenience when it suits you best for one full year. North American growers from Nova Scotia to Alberta and Alabama to Arizona are taking part. You can join the forum by registering at balsamfurforum.com and find the links in the Christmas Tree Council social media and website. We hope to see you there! Richard Levy has developed Christmas tree lots with his brother in Lunenburg and Kings County. Richard has started his career in lands and forestry and natural resources, but has been in the industry since 1973. He sells balsam and Fraser fir, wreaths and bundles of brush, mostly going to the All Nova Scotia Christmas Tree Cooperation. Richard is delighted to be working with the rural community and sees all his relationships made past or present to be a benefit to him and the people around them. We caught up with him this week over Zoom. So can you tell me a bit about your past position with, as the president of the LCCTPA and how it compares to your current position as the president of the Christmas Tree Council of Nova Scotia? And what were your responsibilities? How do they differ? And how are you associated with each other? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> kind of interesting. I'm, I've, I've been involved in a supporter, had been for, of Lunenburg County Association for many years, and saw the transition between presidents and, and members of the executive, and they would be gone, and then they'd be back, and so on. But uh, I guess I got a little brazen one time, and, and, and somebody asked me if I would, would become involved with the executive, and I did. Of course, when you get involved with the executive, then you're always, you're always a target for president. No, <laughs> but, but uh, I've always kind of felt good in, in leadership positions and, and, uh, and got along good with people and, and it was kind of a natural fit. Mm-hmm. It gave me an opportunity to, to, to meet a lot of growers in other parts of this province, especially the western part of Nova Scotia. I've heard names before I never had a, could never associate a face with them. And, uh, and then when we got them coming to meetings, and I've always tried to encourage people to be involved with those organizations too because... Uh, I certainly benefited from being a member of, of it as well as being involved with the executive. It's a great exchange of information that takes place, and it's a good opportunity to, to meet 
other growers that may have the same issue or problem, if you want to call it that, that you have. And between between you and the other grower or between you and the organization, somebody can resolve the issue that you're concerned about, as well as we can keep keep the growers. One of the things that I always want, wanted to try to do when we had our spring and fall sessions, of course, and I don't think I don't think I'm unique in that, but we wanted to make sure that information that was being exchanged was current and 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 the most up to date. Just keep people informed and, and and encourage them to be involved in the organization because it's a great spot to learn things. Definitely, so that was Lunenburg sure. County. Everything that council does, uh, that information is all passed along because because people on the council executive are also members of those the three associations. When I say three, it's the Lunenburg County Christmas tree producers, the Cobbwood Christmas tree producers, and the Northeastern group. So they're they're pretty much entwined because some of those members are also members of council, uh, who is the umbrella group over top of those three uh, local organizations. But but in addition to that, um, also keeps them informed as well by sending out uh, updates and information and uh, and we try to haven't haven't been quite so successful with COVID-19 causing some restrictions but we always try to be present at those regional meetings. I had been asked several times to consider being on that that executive council and uh, and I sat there as vice president under under uh, Mike Keddy was at the time and I would say he was a great teacher great person I mean Mike is a I have great respect for Mike. He's a he's a, a successful businessman in the industry. We chat a lot, did then, and still do. I, I look to him when uh, when I have issues. Of course, we have we have a, a great executive uh, on the on the council. Angus is a tremendous uh, executive director there, and of course Brittany and and other staff, yourself included, now with council. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's it's great to see that council has been able to expand in directions that are really positive for the industry. There there are things going on now with council that. Uh, I'm not even certain if they were considered in the past. It's um, I mean getting getting some funding through the building tomorrow with the, with the support from Minister Colwell with agriculture has been a great just a great plus and positive movement for our industry to become recognized and and grow and uh, expand the product that we now produce. Our markets are expanding, and if we can if we can produce a quality product to move into some of those new markets, I think we will be a very well respected and very a, a great competitor in those. In those marketplaces along with that comes good money for trees too that's it's, it's just very important <laughs> it does it does it's a, it's a commodity to get into <laughs> uh, yes uh and, and uh, the, the real plus about being in the in the industry is of course uh, when you think of people that and i've done that of course sat in an office looked out the window and and now and now i'm working in that environment outside which is which is really nice no better place to be mm-hmm. i don't think it's clean no. there's wildlife around and uh, you can work at your own pace as long as you don't have too many timelines to meet you you can you can get it done and uh, off that, there's more demand for trees all the time. There's more room for more growers and everything. So what kind of other changes have happened through the industry over the years? Because there has been a lot. You know, I think back when I first got involved with with, uh, with Christmas trees, and it was uh, something I wanted to do, and it was a, a hobby. It still is, because I'm fortunate enough to be have, have worked with an organization where I did get some, some pension, however small. But uh, back then, prices were really suppressed. It was it had a lot to do with the availability of markets, and, and there was an awful lot of competition coming out of the U.S. with numbers of trees, which is our biggest marketplace. Um, although that's changed, because we are looking at exporting to, to other areas. But at that time, there were, there were many... Uh, American-owned exporters that had land and had businesses set up in Nova Scotia. And it was very easy to sell trees. As one after the other of those exporters left Nova Scotia, it kind of 
put the squeeze on. And uh, what I mentioned about being involved with the All Nova Scotia Green Christmas Tree Co-op, that, that came into being after the last, which was Kirk's, um, that, that operated a big yard here in Bridgewater, if they moved into the province. And there were a lot of growers, small growers especially, that no longer had markets for the tree. And, uh, and we organized the co-op. And in an attempt to try to to address some of that concern, it's, it was a difficult. It's been it's been 11 years in the works. That co-op is really starting to to uh, fill markets and uh, and got a a, a good a cooperative working group now and and are able to pay very fair prices, I think. But it's those kind of things. And, and the fact that there's a higher demand, I think very realistic to, to give credit to the promotion board, which is going on in the United States with that back off, that they are able to promote the real tree and that family experience and in, in going to choosing cuts and picking out a tree and that kind of thing. It's increased the demand to that millennial generation. And I think that that has, a, has had an impact because if the trees aren't available in the United States, they have to come north to get them. And Eastern Canada, of course, um, Nova Scotia being one, but Nova Scotia, Quebec, and, and uh, New Brunswick are all tree producers. But uh, we've always had a very good rep- uh, representation and, and uh, reputation, I would say, in, in the United States. We are fortunately the only province in Canada that has a representative on the uh, on the U.S. Uh, Christmas tree board, so which is quite a thing. I wonder why the other provinces. Do you know why the other provinces haven't had a? I think it, I think it goes back to the to the fact that there were so many um, Canadian or American, sorry, American uh, exporters that had roots in Nova Scotia, and we developed a great rapport with the uh, with the American. Of course, we supply that market and and have always put a good product in there, and uh, and we continue to have a great uh, a great rapport with the with the organizations in there. And from that, they actually asked if if Nova Scotia was interested in having some on that American board. So that happened a number of years ago and, and has continued and, and well, I believe will continue into the future because of, of that good relationship. And have you noticed any cultural norms present in the industry over the years? Like how the producers and the consumers want their trees to look? Is there an overlap in taste? And what kinds of trees are grown or demanded? I think the older generation, Christmas meant a lot more to that generation. And I mean, if they brought their children up to, uh, to have the same uh, feeling about the Christmas celebration, they continue to want Christmas trees and and celebrate that same season. But there's been some changes there. Um, I've seen a big I've seen a big change in the size and the and the density of trees. So there was a there was a period of time when everybody wanted that big heavy density full tree. Part of that you have quite big ornaments, but you can't hang them on a heavy and dense tree. But but that trend I think that trend is changing a little bit more. That that generation is older and and they and they're wanting a, a tree that they can handle a little easier. A little smaller tree, a little shorter tree, and perhaps not quite as wide a tree. Still decorates very nicely. And I think the, the decoration market has, has something to do with that. Because when you go to a store and start seeing big Christmas tree ornaments, people want those ornaments. they got to have a tree they can hang them on. We've moved yeah, away from yeah. the days when we, had, when we had tinsel foil on the trees and so on. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and the other thing about going with a, a little smaller, more compact is they, for, for export, there's, you can get more on a load and, and it cuts down on transportation costs, which is always a very big part of the value of a, of a tree time, by the time it lands to market. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the number yeah. of trees on that, on that load has a big bearing on the cost. We've noticed that with lower, my brother's choose and cut, we've noticed a lot more people are taking a tree in that six foot range rather than closer to eight because mm-hmm. they can handle more easier. Uh, they're still not a tabletop. They still stand by themselves in a stand, but, uh, but they're easier to decorate and they uh, still serve the same purpose and not only that but the, the rotation is quicker and it doesn't cost quite yeah. so much to produce them exactly and, not as much work yeah. that's great no. <laughs> and you can get more if you're if you're if you're in the in the planting you can plant more to the uh, to the acre or hectare you can get your density a little heavier 
and still produce a, a tree that's in good demand. How has the industry expanded globally over the past 50 so years? I know we're shipping overseas more and more now. And I know somebody was saying back 30 years ago, there was a few shipments to Costa Rica or somewhere there, but nowhere near as much as there is now. I think that the shipping, the ability for us to move trees by, by shipment, uh, by boat, and, and in, a, in a container that has a controlled environment has made a big difference. Uh, when they can when they can set the temperature in that container and and uh, we put if we put a temperature monitor in it we know exactly that that temperature has been maintained from the time it leaves the the the, the yard where it was loaded and the doors are closed the temperature is maintained until the uh, until the buyer on the other end opens the doors that temperature is maintained and of course that's increased the quality of the trees you hear you hear horror stories where somebody opened the doors and the trees are all brown and and then somebody didn't get paid for the trees but that happens very seldom these days. And we are moving to further markets uh, because of that ability to, to transport. And of course, I, I, I have to mention that, that the research project that is working on the, uh, the smart tree is, is going to improve that even better with the improved genetics with needle retention. That's going mm -hmm. to even open up more possibility to look at markets that are further away. There's always been a window of opportunity to move trees, and if it gets over that window, there was some question whether the tree was going to make it or not. When we get the smart trees in, into production, that's not going to be a concern. So that will open up new markets, and, uh, and, and always in new markets, there's better pricing because of, uh, because of demand. But we'll always have our, our dependence on the U.S. market because that's always been our big market. We don't want to, to look away from that market or... Or our own Canadian market. There's lots of uh, there's lots of opportunity to move trees to the west western part of Ontario and west uh, that were in provinces that do not produce trees. BC, for instance, don't produce enough for their own, let alone export. So, and of course, Alberta and Manitoba and Saskatchewan, none of those. But there's lots of people out there. Do you have any stories from your time as a producer that you'd like to share? Something exciting or funny, knowledgeable, anything else? <laughs> I'm pretty Monday. No, I'm pretty Monday. No, I think you know. Um, of course, uh, I enjoy growing a tree that that people want. Um, I think one of the one of the greatest um, satisfactions is when I, I've helped my brother in that choose and cut operation, and we see it, when you see a family come in with the kids. Of course, they got cell phone cameras now and all that. But when when the the joy that that some of those young people in those families, the joy on their face when they get that tree that, that they have been part of, of that experience in picking that tree out, that's got to be one of the greatest rewards that you could possibly get when you are in that tree producing business because uh, because the, you can't you can't match that satisfaction. You always I don't have see any, the customer with a happy face on, don't you? Oh, absolutely. When they leave yeah. and, and, they, and, the, and they got their pictures to remember it and so on, and then they come back. We've been involved, and, and my brother more so than myself, but in that choose and cut operation enough now that some of the some of the children from some of the original ones are coming back. So mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, that's that's really nice to see that happen. And would you like to send a message to those consumers and the other folks in the industry before the holiday season concludes? Yeah, I do. Yeah. There's a couple of things I'd like. There's a couple of things I'd like to to, to relate uh, before I wish everybody the best of the season. But I I I, I want to say that that I feel that the grocery industry right now is in one of the best positions probably it's ever been. With the demand and with the pricing of the of the product that we produce, um, and it's an opportunity for the, for the producer to to start. <laughs> there were many years. I'm going to say this, John. There were many years when people grew trees and and, and managed their tree lots just because they had the tree lot. They didn't want to let it go because they, were, they weren't making any money. But the opportunity to do that is here now. I want all growers to be cautious about who buys their trees because there will be people take advantage of you. The financial arrangements when you produce a product should be 
be that you get some payment up front and get the rest of it before the tree's loaded. Uh, unfortunately, we've I think I think our industry has generated a situation over the years where we have people dictating to us how how we get paid, and that's unfortunate because we can't go to any retail and buy something without making arrangements to pay for it before we leave the store with the product. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there should be much different. I know that some of the some of the large box stores, uh, they, they, they maximize the opportunity to, to hold the money as long as they can before they pay. And that's unfortunate because we have costs that we have to cover before that product exactly. goes to market. That, that's one thing. And, and the other thing is, is that I, I want to say that I've traveled a lot of this province with my previous employment and since I've been involved with Christmas trees. Uh, have a motorcycle and love to travel, but I, I, I see, because I'm in the business, I see tree lots that have grown up, and, and it hurts. Like growing up on a country farm, when you see these farms growing up, but the fact that, that there wasn't anybody there to continue on that business, because young people have chosen to, to move away from it, because it wasn't feasible financially to be there, um, and I'm, I'm encouraged now with the prices, and hopefully some of those some of those country uh, lots will, will come back into production. Unfortunately, it takes quite a while to get a lot into production. When I was involved with, with natural resources, we used to get people call and, and want to know if they, if they started a Christmas tree lot, could they be selling trees for four years? <laughs> well, no. It was a pretty standard answer. And when they found <laughs> Those that there are were, high hopes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. When they found that, that it was going to take 10 to 12 or longer years in order to get, to get any, any number of trees to market, um, a lot of them are discouraged because of the cost and the time involved to do that. But once you get a lot established and you're producing trees year after year, and and I would hope I would hope that there are some people that get get back involved in the industry, younger people, of course. Uh, the other thing I want to say, I'm I'm involved with the council, been involved with Lumber County, and there we have three organizations. And I mentioned about the opportunity for for growers to be able to exchange information and get information on on current customer demand and and Cost of production is a good one. Uh, the type of fertilizer you use, you become aware of insect concerns that may be coming or how to control the ones you might have. There's no better place to get it, to get that information than being involved in an organization. And I would encourage anybody that, that might listen to this, that, that they become involved if they're not already in one of those organizations. It would be a benefit to them as, a, as an industry person to, uh, to participate and, and get that information exchanged. And the other thing, of course, to end it is that uh, I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Um, unfortunately, families aren't going to be able to get together as they have in the past, but uh, because of our technology today, they can certainly see one another on well, a smartphone or on their computer or on FaceTime or something, and it won't be the same, but they can still celebrate. And I <clears throat> hope that everybody has a really good Christmas. And if they bought a real Christmas tree, I encourage them to continue to do that. If you see somebody with an artificial one, Help them get rid of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but I, yeah, but I wish everybody the very best for the season that we're celebrating. Thank you so much, Richard. And thank you from the rest of us at CTCNS. We're very happy to have you on here. And thank thanks you, for helping us promote the Christmas tree industry. You're very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to do that. Again, a big thank you goes out to Richard from the Christmas Tree Council of Nova Scotia. And a big thank you to you, our listeners, for being here to embrace the Christmas tree industry. I personally loved hearing the knowledge, passion, and stories that the producers shared on these episodes. 
And the next time you're out at your local Choose and Cut, talk to your producer. They're full of knowledge, great stories, and definitely want you to have a real tree in your home. Do you want to know more about the Christmas tree industry and where you can pick up your Nova Scotia famous Christmas tree? Visit the CTCNS website at iloverealtrees.com, ctcns.com, and their social media outlets. Tag us in your real tree experiences and use our hashtags ILoveRealTrees, Real Trees Real Memories, Real Trees Real Talk, and NS Experiences. Thank you all for listening in on our series, Real Trees Real Talk. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday Season from the Christmas Tree Council of Nova Scotia. (laughs) 